Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. So we launch a brand new series today, preaching series in two weeks. Pastor Danny Schultz will be with us as well to help us with this series. But um, our, our key theme scripture for the entire series is found in John chapter 8, 36. And as soon as we pop it on the screen, I would love for you to read it out loud with me. And maybe Marcy, you can be the cheerleader to help us out. You ready? All oh, the whole church is going to say it out loud. Read it with me. It says, so... That was a pretty good warm-up, wasn't it? That's like warming up. That's good. Now let's say with even more umph and passion. Are you ready? One, two, three. So. Amen. So that's going to be the key scripture, the key text for this season. And I'm going to be reminding you every week. So has he set you free? Because if he set you free, why are you still stuck? Why are you still stuck? And the truth is we all get stuck from time to time, right? Again, I got some of my Brazilian friends with me today, and Marcy blessed me with my jersey. Not this one, but another one. I feel the anointing of God just resting upon me because of that. Yeah, let's go. And it's in gold. It's a golden jersey. But um, when I was a teenager, I used to go uh, whitewater rafting with our youth ministry. I have some pictures that our media team is going to throw behind us here. And I don't know if you've ever been whitewater rafting, but we would do... Um, it wasn't just your traditional whitewater rafting, but we would have inner tube rafting. That's how we did it, right? So we have a couple pictures right here. So can you all see the second guy right over here? You see that guy right there? Can you all see that guy? That's not me, but I'm glad you can see him. <laughs> and then the next picture. That dude is having way too much fun. Again, I have no idea who he is because I just grabbed this from stock pictures somewhere. But... That is inner tubing, whitewater rafting. Now, the, the story is true. The picture is random. I have no idea who this cat is. But many, many, many years ago, while in youth ministry, we would go and we would go down this, this river. And um, this one day, man, I, you know, I thought I was just living large. I'm anointed. The prophets had prophesied over me. I'm going down the river. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I, I, I jump off the, the inner tube, and I'm doing something stupid, I'm sure. And, and the rapids are moving pretty fast, and my friends continue to float. And I'm, I'm just kind of dragging along the inner tube from behind, when all of a sudden, my foot, similar to the shoe right here, my shoelaces got caught on a branch that was just kind of like a tree that was underwater. And all of a sudden, the inner tube goes, and I'm stuck. And I'm paddling for dear life, trying to stay afloat because I can't stand. And the, the water is pushing, so I'm stuck. My foot is behind me, again, stuck. And I'm doing everything I can to pull. And I can't go back to, un, to untie my shoelaces or whatever. And I'm, for the first few moments, like, <laughs> that's funny. Like, this is cool. <laughs> Water's cold. And after a few moments, all of us are like, dude, I can't get unstuck. I can't get loose. And pretty soon, all of a sudden, your heartbeat starts going to another level. Your inner tube, or my inner tube, was like now hundreds of yards ahead of me. My friends are way down the stream. I'm like, ah, <laughs> and I'm stuck. We can take the picture down now. I found myself in this predicament where I had great calling on my life, great prophetic words on my life. I had a lot of faith in my spirit, but I was stuck. And that's a picture of many Christians. You got the call of God in your life. You got great potential, 
great dreams and excitement and plans, but you can find yourself stuck and saying, how do I get out of this season? How do I get unstuck? In my case, obviously, somehow I got, I got out of that predicament, right? It just so happened that another dude was just trailing from behind a guy that he and I were kind of beefing and like, you know, we kind of always make fun of each other. Young people learn, like, be nice because that person might save you someday. Like, be careful with whoever you're messing with. But this dude, he jumps off his inner tube and manages to, to set me free, became a great friend. Thank you, man. I love you. Bless you. I'm going to talk today and I'm going to kick off this series on how to find ourselves getting out of being stuck. How to experience true freedom, the freedom that Jesus brings. I'm going to bring you to this passage today found in the Old Testament from 1 Kings. The context for this passage in 1 Kings 19 is Elijah. Elijah was a great dude. He was one of the few prophets that feared God. But he lived in a, in a time and a season where the king and the queen of Israel, they were, they were pagan. They were not serving God Almighty. They were actually introducing all kinds of other religions, and these were the people of God, the people that should be in covenant with God. But all of a sudden, people had turned. They began to worship other gods. They began to do all kinds of crazy things. And there's this queen by the name of Jezebel. And if you heard the term Jezebel, she was a control freak. Like if you heard someone talk about, bro, don't be a Jezebel. That means like this, this queen, she was just like, she was a hater, right? And, and like the people had drifted from faith. They had drifted from their relationship with God. And then, you know, this, this prophet right here, he calls, well, he prays and, and, and all of a sudden a great famine and a drought comes and hits the land. And all of a sudden there's no more rain for years. And all the crops are drying up and the economy is tanking and Eventually, they're losing all their resources, and it's like, man, we need some help. What's going on? And Jezebel's like, I'm going to kill that cat. Who does he think he is? Why would he do that to us? And there's this whole showdown at Mount Carmel where one prophet representing God comes against the 400-plus prophets of these other gods that Jezebel and Ahab served. And there's this big showdown, and like, you know, may the true slim shady please stand up. And all of us said, excuse me, that's a different song. But like, let the real God truly show up in this situation. And then God shows down or he comes down with fire, consumes the sacrifice. And he, it was called a show and tell sermon. Because the prophets of Baal, they couldn't call fire. But God, the God of Elijah, he brought fire. And everyone's like, oh. So they killed all these false prophets and all these different like knuckleheads. And Elijah, he's like, okay, he's vindicated. He is truly the man of God. That's the context right here for the passage that I'm about to read. He has a tremendous breakthrough. And people are just amazed like, wow, this guy, this guy is anointed, right? I would call it like, man, this dude had a great church service. Everyone leaves the service and he hangs out with his intern and they pray for a little bit and he began to pray and soon enough, rain would come back. And like this dude is so on fuego that day that the king who had stuck around with the horse, like you want to race, ready, set, go. They race down the mountain, a king on his horse and this prophet barefooted or whatever, he outran the horse. He grabbed us like garments and just like outran a horse. Like dude is having a great, great season. My, the wind streak is like off the charts, anointed. Man, this is a great time. So he has this incredible experience and he feels the favor and the pleasure of God and he gets back into town and he hears that that girl, Jezzy, Jezebel, she wants to kill him. I can't believe you do that. You kill all of my interns, all of my prophets and I'm gonna kill you. And something happens. The dude who just saw the power of God, all of a sudden he freaks out and he leaves with one of his servants like, let's boogie, let's get out of town quick. 
And after a while, he tells his servant, just lay low, stay here. I'm going solo. And he runs for his life. Think about that. I like to call this moment the post-anointing blues. Because from time to time, we have these, inc these incredible encounters with God. But have you noticed what happens oftentimes after those encounters? Where all of a sudden, we find ourselves kind of in our flesh and we're kind of vulnerable, we're kind of tired, and next thing you know, it's kind of we, lit, we, we, we bring our guards down, and it's like, wow, we become a bit susceptible. We just met with God. We were just in the building with Prophet Bill Norton. We were just in the glory zone, and then all of a sudden, like, man, we read a text, and it just kind of like sucks the life out of us. We read a message, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen with my family or my business or the future? It's like, how does that happen? Post-anointing blues. So this dude, he runs for his life, and he's just like, he's frantically just, just you know, 86 in it from there. And, and it brings us to this passage right here where he finally finds this, this tree. The tree was called a mata, mata, place of bitterness. And he takes a nap there, and he's just exhausted. He wakes up, and an angel kind of like taps him and says, hey, bruh, bruh, you need some food. It says that the angel gave him some bread and water. This dude ate the bread, drank the water, and then fell asleep again. Mike, that, that sounds like a typical guy on a Sunday afternoon, right? <laughs> Cook some food, watch some golf, and take another nap. And then the angel has to tap him. By the way, you know what kind of food the angel served him, right? Angel food cake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so dude is just like, he's discouraged, he's depressed, he's suicidal. And, and so let me pick it up from right here. So 1 Kings 19 verse 8, it says, So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And God would ask him that question twice. What are you doing here? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel, they have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by in a mighty windstorm. It hit the mountain, and it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Second time that God would ask him that question. And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. And he keeps on going, trying to explain all these different things to God. I'm the only one serving you. All the other Christians, quote unquote, all the other godly people, they're dead. They're backslidden. They've drifted. They're no longer here. I'm the only one who gets it, God. Wah, 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 wah. And he's going off. It's amazing how sometimes when we become unhealthy or we're stuck in our minds and our hearts, our perception begins to change. Because the Bible actually records that there were several thousand people that still loved and honored God. He wasn't alone, but he thought he was. When you're stuck, you think you're all alone. When you're stuck, you feel like other people don't understand you. They don't get you because you're, an ex you're just an exception to the rule. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. 
There's nothing that you're experiencing right now that someone else hasn't already experienced. It doesn't matter how drastic it might be, how painful it might feel, someone has already been there and done that. You're not alone. God knows exactly what you're going through. And then verse 15, it says that the Lord told them, go back the same way that you came. And God would give them then instructions. You're gonna go back and you're gonna anoint two different dudes. They're gonna be kings of two different nations. And also you're gonna find your successor. You're gonna anoint him. He's gonna be the next prophet to my people. So in this crazy season that Elijah would find himself in, he has a God encounter. How many of you know that the same God that encountered Elijah then is the same God that wants to encounter you and I right now? Doesn't matter what season you find yourself in, what predicaments you're going through right now, God knows exactly who you are. He knows where you're at. He knows how to get you out. And in Elijah's case right here, he says, go back to the very place that you came from. In other words, you have unfinished business that I want you to handle. I want you to go back and deal with these things. And here is your destiny. Here is your assignment moving forward. So what's the, what's the situation here? He's, uh, Elijah's name, by the way, is phenomenal because it means Jehovah is my God or God is Jehovah. We were singing earlier today, Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. His name is already godly. Meaning like, who, who are you, dude? God is Jehovah. That's my name. Like, oh, nice to meet you. I'm John John. <laughs> so he, he already has a special name. He has a special calling, but he found himself stuck after a great season of miracles and breakthroughs, affirmations and accolades and fame, perhaps, amongst the people. All of a sudden, he found himself within hours or days in a deep depression. He was afraid. He was hiding. He was running for his life. He was depressed, discouraged, suicidal. I'm not saying that maybe you're suicidal, but perhaps you're watching today maybe in person or online, and you find yourself even counting the cost saying, is it worth it? Is there a reason for me to continue to suck up oxygen and continue to do what I do? I feel overwhelmed. I feel like there's no true meaning or purpose in life. This prophet right here with a special name, he found himself in that difficult place. He had all kinds of excuses. He began to rattle them back off at God, explaining to God. Have you ever found yourself pointing your finger at God? But God, you don't understand. <laughs> and we find ourselves talking and engaging. And it's kind of like a prayer time, but it's more like a, a griping session. And we're having these conversations with God and we're reminding him of maybe his shortcomings or when he didn't come through. God, you came through for that person. You hooked it up for that brother. But what about me? I've been showing up faithfully. I've been doing my part. I haven't sinned like, ooh, those people over there. Right? And oftentimes we start, we start comparing ourselves and our stories with others. And we find ourselves getting into that place of being stuck in our thinking. Stuck in our emotions. Stuck in our faith. Some of you are straight up stuck up. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Another cheesy joke. Excuse the cheesiness today. What we find here from this passage is that Elijah, he lost his sense of identity. In the midst of all of that, he, he, he couldn't see himself the way that God saw him. He lost his sense of purpose, value, calling. When we find ourselves getting stuck, we, we lose the big picture. We only see what's immediately in front of us. And God has something much bigger for us. What about, what about for us Christians? Come on, we're in church, don't lie now. Have you ever been in a season where you've been stuck before? Only Zuha and I. Come on, anybody else? Like, man, I love Jesus, but I've been stuck. Some of you are giving me that look right now. I'm stuck with him. 
<laughs> Let's just that marinate for a second. <laughs> Some of us, we love God, and we've, we've had those God experiences, but yet we find ourselves in this season where, like, I've never been here before, and I'm afraid. I, I don't know how to get out. I've heard the testimonies of how God's helped others, but what about me? Maybe you've made some poor choices and you go, man, I knew better and I still went along with it and now I have all these consequences and I can't seem to get out. And you find yourself in a season where you're overwhelmed. Maybe despair has been knocking on the door of your heart. Like, what are you going to do? It happens to many of us. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? We like to keep it real around here. There's certain settings, and I was, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, great godly man, and he, was, he had gone to a conference, and he was part of a movement, and I have to be careful because I don't want to come across prideful or something, but I, he was part of a movement where you had to put on a facade and a front where everything was always good. You could never, never share a true assessment of what's going on in your life. Why? Because that would be a lack of faith. So... So whenever someone say, hey, can I pray for you? What can I pray about? You had to be very careful in what you would say because you didn't want to come across as someone who was not spiritual or that your faith wasn't directed towards God. But the reality was this dude had cancer in his body. So he goes to this conference. And all of a sudden, it's like one of the premier pastors comes out to pray for him. And he found himself torn because the person asked him, what can I pray about? And he couldn't say, I have this condition. So he was trying to be optimistic and faith-filled, but he couldn't be honest to say, I got cancer. Because if he said, I got cancer, that means, bro, you, if you got cancer, you don't have faith. You're a sinner. He would later share with me with tears in his eyes. says, man, I couldn't even ask for prayer in the darkest moment of my life. I, I, I found myself stuck because of theology. Listen, the Bible says, make your petitions known to God. Paul said it very clearly. Pray without ceasing. Whatever it is that you're going through, let God know. Does God already know? He does, but it's still important that we let him know. God, I've got this situation. Doctors have given me this report, but I believe what Jesus made available to me 2,000 years ago. So though it might be cancer, I think Jesus, that Jesus already overcame cancer. So God, I need my healing. I'm going to bust out my spiritual ATM card. I'm going to make a withdrawal from the bank of healing, and I'm going to believe that my cancer will be healed. So praying to God, but this man found himself stuck in his religion, stuck in his faith. There are many Christians that find themselves just like Elijah, discouraged. We don't know what to pray for or how to pray for. I'm going to share a few pointers and principles that I hope will bless you and help you. Why do people get stuck? Why is it that good people who love God get stuck in the journey of life? There are different reasons why, and here's just a couple of them. Perhaps unexpected setbacks disappointments, trauma, fear, mistakes that they've made, failures, confusion, distractions, cyclical patterns, unmet or unreasonable expectations, perhaps generational curses in your family line, spiritual opposition. There's a lot of different reasons why people get stuck. You're floating down this river called life and your feet are just kind of dangling. You're not looking for sin, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, whoop, something pulls you under. And you're like, I love God with all my heart, but I'm stuck. It happens. Again, I'm, I'm preaching to people who I hope understand what I'm talking about. It's not that you've walked away from God, though at times some of us perhaps have. Maybe if you've drifted from God, you most definitely will get stuck. 
But many times we're still pursuing God and we find ourselves emotionally stuck or spiritually stuck. We're in the journey of life. We go, man, is there, is there not more to life than just this? Right. Maybe a trip to Hawaii helps a little bit. Come on, somebody. But even at that, you come back and you're like, I'm back to my world now. Right. <laughs> Why do we get stuck? Anybody ever make mistakes before up in here? Yeah. We all make mistakes online. Throw some little emojis, little hands. Come on, somebody. Jerry, let us know. And Leo's watching us. And Jamie, throw some emojis, fire emojis, because we, we are getting unstuck. We make mistakes sometimes, and all of a sudden you're stuck with the consequences. Have you ever, like, uh, gone online and you found a phenomenal deal, and you're like, wow, this deal is amazing. i got to swoop up on this deal because in 12 hours this deal is going to be gone. Let me remind us all just very, very quickly that if the deal sounds too good to be true, there's a high probability that it's a scam. It's not a real deal. The deal is you're going to get work. That's what's going to happen, right? And if they ask you to use PayPal, that's like an indicator right there, like beware. Want, want, want warnings. Be careful. Like if you're a renter here in San Francisco and cats and dogs are allowed, beware. They're going to, they're going to take your deposit and mail you your key. Right. Right. Just a little, little FYI, just to bless somebody. But sometimes we make mistakes. <laughs> and it's like, no, we got we to gotta clean up our mistakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why do we find ourselves stuck and then we waste time and energy and resources trying to undo the mistakes we've made? Sometimes things happen to us and it's not even our fault. Out of nowhere, a curveball comes and just knocks you off, off your chair, so to speak. And you're like, how did that happen? I love God with all my heart, but why, why, why did this happen? Here's a thought right here, and I don't know if it's going to show on the screen, but it says this. Sometimes we get stuck because of our choices, and sometimes it's because of others' choices. Sometimes others have made choices or decisions, and you didn't look for it, but it happened. And now, now you're having to deal with it, and you could find yourself stuck as well. Matthew 5.45, Jesus says it like this. He says, for he, the Father, he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. What does that mean? Good things happen to good people and bad people, but bad things happen to good people and bad people as well. So even though you're a good person, perhaps, and you have good values and good morals, you could actually experience some difficult things in life. You could actually go through a season where, quote-unquote, bad things are happening to you, and like, where did that come from? Has God stopped loving me? No. God still loves you. But in his sovereignty, oftentimes God still allows difficult things to happen, whether it was your choice or someone else's choice. And all of a sudden you find yourself going, oh my gosh, how do I get out of this? But praise God that there is a God, again, who knows us. He knew Elijah. He knows you. He understands what you're going through, whether it was a result of decisions you made or someone else made, God can still pull you out of this place of being stuck. Amen, somebody? Let me give you today seven common what we call sticking points, things that would cause people to become stuck in their journey of faith, their journey of life. It's like, man, life was going good, and all of a sudden, e-brakes got pulled. And I've adapted this from Pastor Mark Joby, who wrote this book, and the title is Unstuck. <laughs> Check out the book. It's phenomenal. But he shares seven thoughts. I'm not going to elaborate on all of these sticking points today. I'm just going to highlight them very briefly. And then I'll come back to these in a couple weeks. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more in depth how to get set free from these, these things that would cause us to be stuck. Number one, 
And by the way, he says, not every person gets stuck on all seven of these points, but most of us struggle with a combination of a few of these. So these are the seven. Number one, isolated living. You find yourself stuck. Why? Because you've isolated yourself. Now, solitude is actually a healthy thing. Jesus would actually, from time to time, get away from his disciples because homeboy needed a little break. You know what I'm saying? Thomas, man, you're always questioning and doubting. <laughs> give, me some break, give me some peace. So he'd have to go and spend some time just with him and God the Father for a minute. But then Jesus would quickly go back, and he'd hang out with his boys. He'd hang out with the crew. He'd hang out with, with the disciples. So solitude between you and God is good, but extended solitude is unhealthy. When you isolate yourself from other people, it actually goes against the design that God has for you. And you're saying, but PJJ, I, I, I'm an introvert. I, I don't like to be in large settings. Sure, you don't have to be in large settings all the time. But you should still interact with other people. Other people should still be involved in your world. In Genesis, and, and by the way, this principle is not talking about marriage, all right? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Single people are going to be put down. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life in community. I'm talking about being connected to other folks. In Genesis, God created man. He said, it's good. God created everything. On the last day, he created Adam. Like, mm-hmm, pretty good. But then it says, but it's not good for man to be alone. So he created his soulmate. He created a companion. And that's the idea there. Again, it's much more than marriage. It's companionship. In this journey of life, we're not called to fly solo. We need one another. We need community. We need people in our lives that we can receive from, but also that we can pour into. Life is about an exchange. God places virtue in our lives that he wants us to share with others. So people get stuck when they're only living for themselves. They're isolated and they're secluded from everything and everyone else. And all of a sudden they find themselves no longer fulfilling the mission that God has for them. That's a sticking point. Number two, a distorted thinking. When people begin to think differently than they should, when you allow the voices of culture, society, trends, patterns, whatever around, when your thinking begins to become conformed to the patterns of the world, all of a sudden you can find yourself getting stuck in your growth as far as a Christian. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed where? By the renewing of your mind. And we live in a culture right now where there's so much information. And if you just intake and you read and you believe everything, talk about fake news, you read everything that you see and watch on social media, wherever it would be, watch out because how you think will begin to drift. I love to encourage you. For the amount of time that we spend on social media and reading all kinds of other stuff, we should at least match that with time spent in the Word. Whether you're reading the Word or listening to the Word. Listen. I love technology, I, and, and I love, like, learning new things, and it's like with my kids, it's like, Dad, you got to hop on TikTok, hurry up. I'm like, dude, like, I can only do so much, you know, and <laughs> with all the different things that are going on, when it comes to technology, leverage it for your benefit. If you, if you have a hard time reading Scripture, then listen to the Scripture on Version Bible. Choose a version that you like, whether it's the message, the NLT, the New King James Version, your mama version. I don't care. Play it. Listen to the Word of God. Marinate on it. Allow it to just fill your heart and mind. Amen, somebody? Amen. And if you can read it too, I think it's even more helpful. Meditate on the Word of God. But don't allow your thinking to become distorted. Why? Because you'll find yourself getting stuck. Number three, another one is impaired hearing. There is so much white noise in culture these days. 
There is so much like activity and action. And again, I love a fast-paced culture. I love it. I actually, I enjoy it a lot. Multitasking, we get down. Like, come on, let's go. But there is so much noise, and whether it's literally like volume as far as like audible or just business of life, we can allow our hearing to become polluted. And pretty soon people pass, Pastor Keys, they hit me up and they go, BJJ, can you pray for me? Because the lights went out again. Or maybe someone can turn the lights back on. But they'll say, PJJ, can you pray for me? I, I want to hear from God. And I'm like, what happened? Like, he stopped talking to me. Like, chances are he didn't stop talking to you. Chances are you're hearing so much other noise that you can't discern what is God and what isn't. God continues to speak to us. We are the sheep, sheep of his pasture. And, and he continues to speak to us. It's our responsibility to discern and to distinguish his voice from all the other voices. So noise, the noise, the, the noise pollution that we experience, the, the impaired hearing. Number four, warped identity, forgetting who you are. Who does God say that you are? Some of you guys are walking with labels because of what people have said about you. Some labels were placed on you by others. Some of them were placed on you by yourself. And all of a sudden, you have a distorted view of who you are. It's a warped identity. You're stuck. That's not God who says that you are. The song that Chelsea leads us out from time, I am who he says I am. Yeah. I'm not who other people say I am or my mom says I am. I am who God says I am. So your identity. Number five, neglected issues. Sometimes God says, you got to deal with some stuff. Elijah, I'm going to send you back from that place that you came from because you got to deal with some things. You got to cross some T's and dot some I's. Elijah, go back and deal with those things. Some of us, we can't move forward because we haven't completed the task that God has called us to complete already. We keep looking for new prophetic words when God says, I can't give you the new one because you haven't fulfilled the previous one, right? So dealing with un undealt with or neglected issues. Number six, blurred calling, where all of a sudden calling, identity speaks of who you are. Calling speaks of what you're called to do. When you don't know who you are, you're going to get confused with what God's called you to do. So all of a sudden things happen and like these curveballs of life come and next thing you know it's like, I don't know what I'm called to do for God anymore. And you find yourself confused. You find yourself stuck. What is your God assignment for this season? Finally, number seven, deferred beginnings. Meaning that like, okay, that's cool. Like New Year's resolution. I'll start my new diet January 1st. All right. I've screwed up my Bible reading plan. I was doing good. I got on a win streak. I had like 27 days. And then I kind of like forgot to read the Bible one day and then two days, three days. Like, ah, scratch that. I'll start reading again 2022. Don't raise your hand, but some of you are like, mm-hmm. He's preaching to me right now. And we, we punt the ball down the field, so to speak. And we're like, all right, like, let me just wait till next month. Every time we keep doing that, you never start. The idea is, look, you can't control your tomorrows, but you can do something about your today. So you might as well embrace your today. Deal with your todays right now. Start a new win streak today. Say, I'm going to get on with it. I'm going to get unstuck. I'm not going to delay. I'm going to take the first step. They say that the most difficult step is the first one. The first one. So take that step. As you know that God is encouraging you and nudging you, take that step. So again, I'm not going to unpack all of these in details, but I think this is a great resource right here. So how do I get unstuck? I'm going to give you a, a very basic principle that we find in Matthew chapter 11. How do we get unstuck in our journey of life? Again, I could take some time and just, you know, talk about people that are stuck in their careers. They're stuck in their relationships. They're stuck in their past. Anybody ever watch Napoleon Dynamite? What's the name of the uncle again? Uncle Rico. 
Uncle Rico, man, has that camcorder, and he's like living in his days 25 years past before he, before he was wearing that, that, that headpiece, hairpiece, whatever you call that thing. He's hoping that he can go back and play his college football days again. And like, bruh, <laughs> that ship has sailed. What is wrong with you? But some people are stuck in their past. They can't move on with their present or their future. How, how do we get unstuck? Here's the solution. Zuha, I don't know if you went to Sunday school when you were a kid. But every teacher, every story, they would ask the, the, the kids, right? Like, all right, here's the question. Who is the most important person? So this one day, the teacher's talking to the kids, like, all right, what has a tail, goes up and down the tree, and likes to eat uh, uh, nuts? And the little kid goes, I know, I know, I know. Okay, Johnny, what was it? Well, I know it sounds like a squirrel, but it's got to be Jesus, right? Because every answer is Jesus. Um, yeah, let's try that again another time. That was whack, right, Juju? She was like, Dad, I can't believe you used that cheesy joke. It happened. It is what it is. The answer to getting unstuck is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. It comes, I can give you like seven steps to get unstuck, but really it starts with a person. Freedom is actually a person, not a process. Freedom is a person, the son, he who the son sets free, then is it, that person is free indeed. Freedom in us becoming unstuck starts with us turning back to the author and the finisher of our faith. So if your marriage sucks, turn to Jesus. If your finances suck, turn to Jesus. Come on, somebody. If your baseball team sucks, root for the Giants. Come on, somebody. Help your boy. Matthew 11, 28, it says this. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Another version says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When you walk with Jesus, he does the heavy lifting. So Getting unstuck, it starts with Jesus. Getting free from whatever it is that you're navigating through, it starts from you going back to the basics and saying, Jesus, how are we doing? Jesus, are you still good? Because I ain't good. I need some help. And as you turn to him and you get right with him, all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm going to help you now. You've been doing all the heavy lifting. It's my turn. Lean on me and I'm going to help you. So true and complete freedom, it comes only when you encounter Jesus personally. You've heard me say this before. You can't outsource your prayer life. Some of us, we ask our family members and small group members and others to pray for us. That's great. But you got to pray for yourself too. Come on, somebody. Like, Mom, pray for me. I have been. We do our part. And when it comes to your relationship with God, others can't pray for you. You got to engage yourself. You got to take that step yourself. Amen. The invitation is always there for us, but it's up to us to RSVP. His invitation to help us and to have a thriving relationship with him, it's always extended to us, but we have to choose to RSVP. You have to choose to respond. God won't force you, but he invites you to be a part of that connection with him. Here's the big idea for today. Getting stuck may not have been your choice, but getting out is. I'll say it a different way. Getting stuck may not have been your choice, but getting free is. You can choose freedom. His name is Jesus. 
You may not have signed up for this and you find yourself emotionally just like, oh, I'm just kind of stuck. Choose freedom. Choose Jesus. Let me give you three action steps and we're going to wrap things up today. And again, next week we're going to continue. And hopefully I'm giving you some practical things that you can work with. More than information though, my hope would be that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today. More than just little thoughts on the screen or on your phone. More than those little bullet points. I'm hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit is massaging this in your spirit. Why? Because you were not called to live a stuck life. You were not called to just be on park for the rest of your life. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to become fully alive in Jesus. So I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit would just marinate. You might say, JJ, my marriage is just like really not healthy right now. God is a solution. You can read all the books in the world, but God is still the solution. Your business, man, you keep running into dead ends and things just aren't working. And it's like, how do I get out of this? The solution is still Jesus. Three action steps. Number one, three questions that you would ask yourself. Number one, ask yourself, where am I? For real, for real. Take a brutally honest self-assessment quiz. Where am I at right now in this season of life? Where am I at? Where am I at in this journey of faith and trusting God? Am I truly trusting Him? Or am I leaning on my own strength? Where am I at? God asked Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Where are you at? The reality is many times everyone else and God knows where we're at, but we don't. So taking that quiz, where am I at? Not an easy conversation to have with yourself. If you're like me, I, I like to journal on my phone. So I use my app and it's called Notes. Y'all have that on your iPhones if you have iPhones. I just open the app and I'm like, I'll jot down a couple questions every now and then. I'll just kind of like do a little audio recording. It's helpful because I forget. There's a lot of things that happen, right? I like make sure don't draft this player in the fantasy football league. Like, all right. But through those journalings, sometimes I go back and I go, wow. In 2019, before the pandemic, I found myself in this season. Good things were happening in this area. Great things happened in this area over here. But I'm looking at these notes that I took. I wasn't in a great place in this area over here. And, and then the pandemic. But God. Because when things got even more difficult, God didn't change. And just this week, I was scrolling through and reminded of a few things where I'm like, man, I'm stuck right here. But you know, through a global pandemic, God actually unstuck me. <laughs> he freed me. When things were not comfortable, he still freed me. He still helped me. And it's so basic, but it's important to know where are we at? Here's a second question right here. Ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You're going to whine and complain? Ignore it. If you're like me, chances are you like to ignore things. Ah, I'll deal with that later. I realize like, Ooh, I don't like this right here. I'm like, let's, let's talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> but what are you going to do about it? And again, my hope and prayer is that the Holy Spirit is massaging this in your heart and your mind. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person. If you find yourself stuck and not truly living the free life that God's called you to leave, why are you stuck and what are you going to do about it? And then number three, Ask yourself, who am I asking for help? Who am I teaming up with? 
And it could be a spouse if you're married. It could be a friend. Perhaps if you're, if you're married, maybe it's not your spouse that needs to help you in certain areas. Sometimes we just need a brother or a sister, someone in the kingdom, someone that can help us out. Who are you willing to trust? Say, man, I need some prayer. I need some help in this area of my life. Because if we're called to not do this alone, why is it that we isolate ourselves so often? And this, by the way, Pastor Keys is not a pitch for small groups, but that is one place. Join a small group. Allow others to help you. Who is that you can pour your heart out to and say, man, would you coach me? Would you help me? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because I want to pray for us today. I'm seeing a lot of you wiping, wiping tears because God's speaking to us today. Through the congregation, I see some of you guys are just like, man, God, I don't want to be in this place any longer. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. We got to choose freedom. As we take the next few weeks to explore this topic, I want to encourage and challenge you, do your homework, do your part. Begin to cry out to God, say, God, what do I got to do? How do I surrender? God, would you give me the courage to trust you? Do your part. And watch how the Lord, like the, the greatest chiropractor there is, he's going to come and adjust us. And he's going to change us. And he's going to help us. Why? Because he loves us that much. He doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He wants to help us. But it's a partnership. There are so many different needs today. And I realize that. So many different life situations happening all around us. But we all have this in common. We all need Jesus. And we all have access to the same Jesus. And he hears every prayer. He knows every story. He wants to help. Can you do something with me just symbolically? Would you raise your hand as an act of surrender? Like, God, here I am. Where are you at, church? Where are you at today, my brother, my sister? What are you doing here? What are you doing with these different things? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for every hand that's lifted, every heart that is open to you right now, both in person, those watching online. God, you know our name. You know our story. You know our past, our present, and our future. And you've got great things in store for us. And freedom is our portion. Freedom is our promise. Freedom is our inheritance. But God, your word says that even the youth, they faint. But strength comes to those who wait upon you. Today, God, we choose to wait upon you. God, as we have hands lifted up, we say that we surrender. God, we don't want to be the ones in control. We want you to be in control. So God, would you come by your Holy Spirit? Would you come and bring encouragement to every heart and every mind today? Would you begin to set us free in these different areas that we would find ourselves stuck in? God, would you come and do the work that only you can do? Father, would you activate now even courage to respond to RSVP to say yes to your invitation? God, we let go and we let God. And we trust you with our health. We trust you with our relationships. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our future. We trust you with our pain. We trust you with our disappointments. We trust you with our setbacks. We trust you, God, with everything, God. We surrender it all to you, God. And we say, be God in our lives. Jesus, we cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So in the name of Jesus right now, 
I speak clarity of mind. I declare the peace of God upon each heart, upon each mind. For marriages that are struggling, I speak the peace of God. I declare reconciliation and healing, strength and virtue and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. For relationships, parents and children and siblings, I speak healing. I speak freedom. I speak reconciliation in the name of Jesus. For those that are battling mental health disorders, God, I speak your peace. Heal the heart. Heal the mind, I pray, in the name of Jesus. For those that are harboring and holding on to unforgiveness, God, I speak healing there. God, that we would choose to forgive even as you've forgiven us. God, we release those who've hurt us. We release those who've done us wrong. And we speak the blessings of God over them. Father, for those that are bound by demonic oppression, we speak freedom, the blood of Jesus that covers every mind and every heart. We declare that no weapon formed against the people of God will prosper. Every scheme of hell that will come against the people of God, we bind it in the name of Jesus. We declare the blood of Jesus over every heart, over every mind, over every home, over every situation in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith knowing God that you who began a good work, you are faithful to complete it. In the name of Jesus, you can bring your hands down. We are people of the presence of God. I told our team, I said, we're not going to be in a rush on Sundays. We want to hang out in the presence of God. Pastor Keys, I want you to come and just join me for a second here. I'll practice the presence. Practice the presence. Marcia and Sandra, listen to the word of the Lord coming to you right now. God says that you've come to the end of yourselves. But as you've thrown yourselves into his hands and his arms, he's going to lift you up. And he's going to see you through this cul-de-sac. You're not going to go around it or over, but you're going to go through. Breakthrough is your portion. For there's a prophetic call upon the two of you. The enemy's been working overtime to combat your family, your sons, your daughter. He's working overtime to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. His hand of favor is upon the two of you. He turns your mourning into dancing and your sorrows into joy. He is the lifter of your head. The spirit of encouragement is your portion even today. God says, even this you're, you're going to see some things that will surprise and, and, and just blow your minds out of the water because your God is already orchestrating breakthrough for you. Watch and see what the Lord is going to do. Doors are going to open up for you. For the favor of God is upon the two of you. God shines his light upon the two of you. You're not called to be those who are on the bench, but you're called to be those that are on the field. In Portuguese, I'll say it like this. Vocês não são reservas, mas são titulares. God has called you to be on the field. His anointing is upon you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Watch what the Lord is going to do on your behalf. In the name of Jesus. Tommy, even as I was praying for you today, you're at a crossroads of your, of your inter, an intersection, like crossroads of your destiny. And God says that he's, he's pleased with you. He says you've, you've, you've gone all in. You've, you've thrown and you've, you've cast your roots into the word and into the house of the Lord. And God says that even as in Psalms 1, the blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. It goes on to say, but he is like a, a tree planted by water. And God says that even as you've planted your roots, you're going to prosper and you're going to see forth fruit. And God is bringing fruitfulness in every area of your life because you've been rooted, you've been planted, and God is pleased with you. So God says that he's bringing you to a season of rest and of fruitfulness. Your leaves will not wither, but you're going to bring forth fruit in every season. God's smiling upon you. Watch what the Lord is going to do even in these next few weeks in your journey. 
divine connections, divine appointments, divine opportunities for God smiling upon you, men of God. Pastor Keys.